You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer here with my friend and co-host Bart Kaler, where today we have an honest and wonderful conversation about building trust and leading change. It's with a friend of mine and now ours. Her name is Susan Kassab, and she is an enrollment consultant specializing in higher education. And although she's very young, she's been doing this for about 30 years. And something that I've come to love about her in working with her over the past two months is her knowledge, but also how it's given in a calm and confident way. And I think that comes out in the conversation that we have with her. Yeah, I think it does. I've really enjoyed getting to know Susan. I think that she does demonstrate a lot of what she tries to teach and what she tries to suggest is this idea of really helping leadership to kind of understand some things that maybe they don't. We talk a lot about it you know, the boards and and presidents and cabinet level and how we as higher ed marketers can build that trust and lead in the midst of all the change that we have going on, whether it's the different tactics we can use in marketing or or even the enrollment cliff or or AI. So this is such a good conversation. It's a little bit different than typical as far as we're not, you know, we're not talking about a marketing tactic, but I think the pragmatism and the practical advice is there just the same. Thanks, Bart. I agree. Here's our conversation with Susan Kassab. Susan Kassab, we have been talking one-on-one for a couple of months, and I'm so excited now I get to share your wisdom and knowledge with our audience. So to start this conversation out, again, you know the question. Please share something that you've learned recently that you would think would be fun or interesting to share with our audience. I had the chance to be on a college campus last week and was in a really tense discussion with leadership. And what I found was that everybody around the table wanted to be included in the discussion and be able to contribute to a successful outcome. So giving others that opportunity to have a say in the conversation and support your efforts um, goes a long way to success. I know it did for me, and I'm sure it will for you. And I'm sure you navigated that scenario brilliantly. I do like so. Everyone, (laughs) (laughs) Susan Kassab is a higher education consultant, and she has years of experience. And I don't know how that is because she is so young. But I wanted to have her on the podcast because she has a wonderful take on influencing institutional learning. But before we go into that, Susan, if you could give me a a brief bio about you, especially for the last five years or so and the impact you've made in higher ed. Sure. So I've worked in higher education for 
we'll just go for a number of years. We'll say a number of years. <laughs> and it's been a it's been an awesome journey because I've really worked in so many facets of enrollment management and been a part of leadership for a number of years. But more recently, I've been helping institutions really think about how do they build an infrastructure and how do they uh, move forward in such changing times? We can talk about the cliff that has come, gone, come and gone again, multiple times. We can talk about what has happened with the pandemic, but at the end of the day, we all still need to recruit students. And so working with institutions to set a base and set up their expectations, helping them to understand who they are and what they bring to the table has been my work, at least in the past five five or 10 or so years. Thank you. And with that work, you're working with the leadership of colleges and universities and would like to have you start our conversation by kind of giving us that philosophy or how you go about influencing the institutional leadership, especially when they know they have to make a change, but that change might be difficult for them to make. Sure. I think about four different areas. First of all, who am I engaging with? What and why am I having the conversation? What kind of information do I need to convey? And how am I going to impact the conversation to move my agenda or an office's agenda, department's agenda forward. And so we talk about who is the leadership? Who are we talking to? Presidents, chancellors, vice presidents, board of trustees, college deans, one, two, three, all of them, most likely. And then I think, you know, we talk about why is engagement important with these folks? Because working with all areas of the institution can really impact growth and sustainability. We cannot be lone rangers in our work. And so engaging um, the leadership helps um, provide uh, comprehensive and successful conversations. We get many different perspectives. We have a much more thorough conversation, which leads to better outcomes. And I guess, I mean, you're kind of unpacking. I'm just curious too, to think about this, because I mean, I think a lot of times we hear this idea of connecting with leadership and helping engage them and things like that. Sometimes I think we forget to figure out or we don't clearly identify and recognize the the leadership. And you did a great job just there where you mentioned senior leaders, department chairs, things like that. But one that that I wanted to kind of point out for everyone, because I think sometimes while we, you know, often uh, kind of joke about it and twice a year, a lot of times we're kind of like panicking to get ready for them. It's when the board of trustees comes in. And I know there's a lot of leadership that's listening to the podcast where you have to get your board report ready. Help understand that because I think part of the challenge sometimes is, one, you have to get their buy-in early. But sometimes they are, as they should be, a little bit disconnected from campus. But sometimes that is more difficult because of the maybe generational gaps or the literacy gaps with maybe digital marketing or other marketing efforts. Let's unpack that a little bit, because I think that there's, I've at least experienced some of that where it's just this idea that, hey, we're getting ready to do this. And what the board says is, well, we need more billboards. Can we just do more billboards? Unpack that a little bit for me. How does that play out when we're talking about these different institutional leadership? You have to actually educate the trustees. 
and a lot of times the president so that the president can help you educate the trustee. So I think that's an important part of it. And so the language we use is common to us. It's familiar to us. It is not common to someone who has a tertiary under understanding of what needs to happen. We need more revenue, ergo we need more students and we need to retain more students. That's a pretty basic, right, need. But how we get there and why we get there and what our challenges are, we probably know inside and out. But I think part of it is educating the trustees to say, listen, this is what the market is saying. This is how our students are or are not responding to our outreach. This is what works now versus what worked 10 years ago. I did actually have a trustee say to me, I don't see any billboards for my college, but I see them for everybody else. And I say, yes, but we are a different in a different market. We're talking to students who, you know, you brought up AI. We're talking to students are so who are so technologically advanced that they expect us to be that way. And there is a generation uh, gap or two, maybe two or three, you know, gaps between generations between that that you know, trustee, president, VP level, and your students and parents. And so educating them on why it's important to use technology that speaks to a student or a parent or whatever other cohort you're talking to is really important. I think you, you have to remember that what is important to you has to also be important to the leadership of the institution. But that's not always the same. So you have to support and provide ideas and reasons why somebody else wants, was going to support your idea. I, I like that. And let me tease that out a little bit, because I think that that's one thing that I've often said on the podcast, and, and I'm just going to run it past you from a different perspective. I think it's one of the reasons why we have to not only demonstrate, we have to demonstrate our authority and earn that authority at the college with the leadership. And that's why I think it's so important sometimes for marketing to have either a seat at cabinet or have a direct role, direct line into cabinet. Because I think that if somebody comes in and you don't have that authority and you're not able to articulate well why and why this is working and to be able to show those different things rather than just saying something subjective or you really have to be able to use your data to be able to back that up. Because I've been in too many board meetings where there's an entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur, who's like, you know, this is what we do for our car dealership. Why can't we do the same thing? But the problem, but the problem is that we're not selling cars. We're not a hospital. We are a very specific type of uh, a business. I mean, a lot of people don't like to use the word business and consumers and all of that. But at the end of the day, there's a different type of product that we're offering. And we cannot just use the same model that the tractor supply store does or the car dealership or the, you know, uh, the hospital. And so educating and creating your own authority that you can earn that trust first with your cabinet and then your president and then the board is going to give you a lot better runway and trust to be able to be able to stand up and say, no, we're not going to do billboards. And this is why this is what we're doing instead. That's more strategically targeted. And I think that's when I think if we start doing, that's when we start to earn that opportunity to really start to engage leadership in a different way. And so maybe talk a little bit about that idea of being able to adapt in that way so that we can then 
help leadership to then do the things that they need to do. So instead of us being the target of conversation about do something, why do this, trying to problem solving it as whack-a-mole, we actually earn that trust then to be able to have a deeper level of engagement. Let's talk a little bit about that engagement that we can then do. Yeah, well, it's important then to help. So if somebody doesn't understand the, why are you asking me to do this? Then it's hard for them to jump on board, right? So it's about giving background. Like we've, so it's about saying we've done A, B, C, and D. Here are the outcomes. If we do X, Y, and Z, this can be the outcome. And so we're not discounting, you know, what we've been doing all along. And we're, we're, but we are educating still and saying, yep, we have been trying X, you know, various, whether it's marketing, communication, outreach, recruitment tactics, having new technology. This is, these were the results. And if we were to move into this new direction, these would be, this would be our results. And by the way, Moving in this new direction supports the goals that the institution has, not just strategic plan goals, but revenue goals, enrollment goals, retention goals, graduation goals, giving goals, right? I mean, there's, there are lots of ways that we bring in revenue. So I think be, having more people at the table supports that. So if everybody's on the same page and saying, as you look at the student life cycle and how it impacts us at various stages and where we get money and funding, if you can bring all those people to the table and say, this is what we've done, this is what we'd like to do differently because we know this is going to have a greater impact, I think that's how you can sometimes persuade those trustees and presidents to go out on a limb because you're, it's hard to say exactly what's going to work because it's always a combination of things that work. And so you have to even educate further to say, this one thing is not going to be the silver bullet, but in combination and concert with these other things that we're doing, whether it's a marketing initiative, a communication process or, or what have you, or a change in just how we interact with students and onboard them and graduate them. If you can talk about that, then I think you can help help the trustees see the bigger picture and feel like they they understand because they don't want to feel stupid, right? And they're not, and the, and none of them are. And I think that I think you made some good points about really trying to leverage that relevant and targeted data to really be able to educate and bring them along. I, I think that too many times we we try to go into a presentation without the facts without the data without the support and without the confidence that we know it's going to work and then i think that 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 just reflects and so i think this is an important thing because i'm a firm believer and we'll talk more about this in a little bit but i really think that there's going to be a huge amount of change in the next couple of years in higher education and i think that's going to kind of come out with you know the enrollment cliff we kind of talked about that the idea that people are you know discounting what education's worth these days. There's a lot of, you know, headwinds on that. And then I just think with what AI is getting ready to do and the disruption that's going to do, I think there's going to be more change than ever. And I think you're going to have more and more leadership anxious. And I think that we've got to be ready to be able to kind of address that. Susan, when it comes to introducing change, how do you gauge the readiness or maybe the resistance 
within the institution that you're working with? Well, lots of conversations and lots of preliminary conversations. I'd like to sort of put a, have these conversations offline, one-on-one with different members of the community to see, engage where they are and, and what their understanding is and, and try to figure out actually why, why they have a resistance to change. And you know what I frequently find? It is because perhaps that change is going to negatively impact their area or they're not going to be able to support that change. It's too heavy of a lift. I don't have the staff. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have, you know, what have you. Or if you implement this change, that means I've got to implement a change. And that wasn't on my to-do list for this year, right? So I think having those individual conversations prior to getting into a, a bigger meeting helps. It helps bring people along and you can then address what the concerns are. Some people are just going to jump on automatically because it helps them and it's a win-win and they have the money and the resource and the time and whatnot. And others are going to, you know, be putting the brakes on because they need to participate at some level and they may or not have the bandwidth and the funds to do that. So having that conversation ahead of time and figuring out where you're going to get that resistance, I find helps. I love what you said there because I think it's worth underscoring a little bit is the fact that you are doing these private conversations before the big meetings. You're basically building trust and building, you know, relationship equity. And I think that's somebody was asking me the other day, you know, what are the ways to succeed in, in business or succeed in higher ed? And I'm like, it all starts with relationships. I mean, if you think you're a lone ranger and you're just going to fly in on your horse and you know, set down the, it's not going to work. You're going to get shot really quick. And I think that the idea is that you want to make sure that you are building that, that you have the empathy, that you have those different things as you go in to build those relational relationships and you bring people along and you do it as a team. I think those are the most successful schools. I mean, I think a lot of times higher education already is a a little bit slow to move and slow to react. It's an industry that has been steeped in tradition. That's kind of the academia side of everything. And I think that it's difficult sometimes for everything that's changing so quickly. I think it's important that we you know, move beyond some dysfunction and actually try to create healthy relationships that are going to help the entire institution. Do you know what's forward. a win-win is when someone says to you, here are my concerns, and but here's how I can help. And if you adjust your approach or the project or the ask just a little bit to support that office or person, it goes a long way to getting you where you need to be. And maybe your time frame has changed a little bit for whatever reason, but when you get there, at least you've gotten there, right? So I, yeah, so I, I think that makes people feel good. It makes people feel included and like they are valued. I don't think that anyone has ever been successful in business operating by themselves. I just, I don't think that's a, a true statement. I, I yeah. totally agree with you. And I think the other thing, Susan, is that we've got to have that relational foundation before we start pulling out all the facts, before we start doing the market analysis, before we start pulling out these power tools, because if you don't have that trust on the team and the trust with the leadership or the trust elsewhere, that's where it's going to be really, really difficult. So 
let's kind of talk about that a little bit about as we start looking at some of this data and market market analysis, how do you then introduce that once you have established this trust, you've established this idea that, you know, we're going to, we're going to lean into change. We're going to use it as an opportunity. How does all that kind of then play out as kind of the next step of, okay, now that we've got a, a healthy team, how do we actually I think we forward? educate people. So think about what I know about enrollment management and somebody, and I've been doing that for 30 years, right? And then think about somebody who's worked in student services for 30 years. I know one side of the student process or life, life cycle and that other person knows another spot or part of the student life cycle. And so then you have to come back together and learn each other's areas. And so going beyond the, building that relationship requires understanding more than just your own area. And being able to, right, come into the conversation with, this is what I'm thinking, this is where I think it might you know, either positively or impact, negatively impact your area. Can you work with me to make sure that we've got a smooth transition in order to introduce this at a higher level? And so it's that collaboration and, and having, again, having those conversations early where you're getting other people's buy-in. I remember once bringing in a new product. Actually, in order for us, we needed to streamline our technology. So we took some products away, increased usage of some other products, and gave some of that money over to student affairs. And then student affairs got a retention product. And so it was a win-win, right? Because we were able to do more and do better using the tools that we had, but we were also able to give some funding over to another department that impacted another part of the student life cycle. See, as soon as we think that enrollment is more important or and retention is more important or graduation is more important and we start siloing ourselves, then none of us are effective because all we are doing is presenting our cases to a president or a board of trustees. And you're forcing them to make a choice exactly. rather than to come up with exactly. a solution. And I like that a lot. And I, I liked a couple of words you used about being flexible. I recently learned something about trees. And if you think about trees that are in the tropics, they, the palm trees, they tend to bend very far in the wind. I mean, you think about the hurricane winds, they can survive hurricanes. Here in the Midwest, we have hardwoods, you know, big sycamores and things like that, and big maples. Well, a big wind comes along, their roots are pretty tight and they're super strong trees, but it'll blow it over. And I think sometimes when you're super rigid and imagine our teams are super rigid and it's like, this is what we want. This is what we're going to have to do. If we do that, the entire forest is going to come down. And I think we've got to adapt this idea that we have to be flexible. We've got to think outside the box and we've got to be solution oriented, not only in just in, in our you know marketing and our, all the efforts that we typically talk about each week, but I think in the way that we relate to you know the entire campus and leadership. I love I love that idea and I love everything. Yeah. That we've been and doing. I think I'll say one more thing. I think, you know, you have teachable moments every time you're with, you know, a, a group of people. So I wouldn't wait till the last minute. I think you teach as you go and you sit in meetings week over week over week. Right. And so I, I don't think there's ever a formal time when you're trying to help someone move to in a different direction or embrace a new technology or understand 
the student cohort that you're now dealing with that was different from the ones you dealt with five, 10 years ago. I don't think you wait until the big presentation to educate people, right? I think you, you start each year laying the foundation and helping everybody understand, here's where we're starting from, this is what our student cohorts look like, here's going to be some of our challenges, here's where we think we can make some wins, here's where, you know, changing up some of our processes, procedures, tech is going to make a big difference. So it's a conversation as you go, as opposed to all of a sudden you're trying to make friends and influence people two weeks before the presentation. Yeah, (laughs) totally agree with you. That's great. If both of you could speak to the evolution of technology and how you have to deal with at the leadership level, where one hand, we are encouraging certain leaders to embrace that technology like AI, but on the other side, they have to face with the fear of how this is affecting the faculty and how they administer the instruction and how the students are utilizing that. And is that beneficial? So what types of conversations are both of you privy to? And I'll ask you, Susan, to start out with sharing what types of conversations you are having. We're having conversations uh, um, around whether or not we are prepared to help the student throughout the entire journey using the technology that we have. And where are we getting in our own way? And where are we not letting technology do the work? And how do we bridge that gap between there's, you know, technology can really do a lot of the grunt work, if you will. But we also talk about then finding the places where a person is better suited for the task, whatever that task is, than an automated Comflow or other technologies that we're using, right, in order to help students through the process. And and I think what is reassuring to people in higher ed and even, you know, including faculty is that. The people interaction is not dead. It's not gone and it will never go away. And we do need it. We need to build relationships, not just amongst ourselves as leaders, but with our students in order for them to feel successful. It's just, we have to now understand how they want information delivered and when do I have a a, a one-on-one conversation versus do I just, you know, send an automated text or email or something like that. And I, I think that's where we're challenged right now. The technology can do so much, but it can't replace it can't put, replace humans in developing that relationship so that you can help students go through the enrollment, you know, retention and graduation processes. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that, Susan. I remember doing a, a slide maybe eight years ago, just when things started to get automated. I mean, you could you could get get different things to help you automate your social media posts, or you could do a lot more automation through email with things like MailChimp and things like that. And I was really helping people understand that if you use the, uh, these automated tools that are just, you know, the grunt work, as you've put it, that frees you up to do more of the things that computers cannot do, which is relationships. And that's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. I don't care about the Elon Musk's making the biggest promises and Zuckerberg about what AI is going to bring us. At the end of the day, it's still going to be about relationships. People are still going to make decisions based on relationships. And 
if we can leverage technology to allow us more time to do those relationships, that's where we're all going to win. And I really think that your idea about, you know, just really helping, it goes back again to educating about this digital platforms and this different idea of, you know, what the true transformative promises are and what the reality is in this moment and not going back to you again, I just, I love everything you've said so far, because it's like this teachable moments throughout the day, rather than saying, okay, well, we're going to, we're not going to look at AI until it's really something that, you know, there's a solution right there in front of us that outlines everything that we need and it fits us perfect. That's going to be too late. If you're waiting for AI to do something that you don't think it does right now, one, you're probably not playing with it enough to realize that it does do what you want it to do right now. And two, you're going to be left behind. And I've seen my career, and, and I'm sure you could say the same thing, Susan, where you know the internet was starting and people were like, oh, why would our college ever want to be on the internet? That's just silly surfing. Nobody would want to you know, look at a college. I think that any college that's not on the internet right now would, would be hurting if they're even still around. But I think that those, whether it's that or social media or personal computers, or, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that can remember back in the day of we have our computer lab. That's fine. Students don't need an ethernet in their dorm room. Why would we consider uh, that? It, it changes. changes and it changes. And that's the thing about, you know, understanding student needs and under really understanding how they like to be connected to you and that there's not one way that works. We, I think we're doing a multitude of things, right? I think we're using technology simultaneously while we're developing uh, personal relationships with students, while we're trying to make, and should I say this, while we're trying to keep up with them. Think about this. Students are so far, so advanced. So, you know, my two-year-old grandson got on TikTok yesterday. Think about that. Like he, he got the phone and he figured out TikTok somehow. I, I, I was astonished. I'm just watching and well, he's just playing around and it, it's amazing. He's two. Yeah, Susan, it reminds me of a conversation that Jennifer McCord said on one of the podcasts from Asbury. She talked about how, you know, we talked about Generation Z and Alpha and these kids have grown up and they've, they learned how to swipe a phone and swipe up or down before they learned to talk. That's where this, that's where it's going. And back to your point though, I think we have to be sensitive to these students and what their needs are. And I think the whole point kind of coming back full round, how do we make sure that we build those relationships with leadership to help them understand what's well, you know, one of the things I think we could do is we could hire people who really know the technology and help them teach others to, to learn the technology build everybody's literacy because we all need it. You know, some of us are more technologically driven than others. And so it, it's helpful to, it, it, and it becomes, you know, you think about when we started in our careers, we weren't worried about that. Those weren't the conversations that we had. Um, as an admission counselor, I remember looking at, you know, three by five cards with directions printed, you know, handwritten on the back as to where I was going next. And there was even a suggestion for, you know, which four schools I can hit in a day to talk to high school yep. students. And then you'd pull out your, pull out your AAA trip tick and 
flip over and see where the next where exactly. the next part of the road is. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, completely that's, different. So we've yeah, really we've changed just so much, and and so we should be cognizant when you think about you know retooling and looking at your infrastructure. Do you have people on your team who understand and know that technology so they can help bring you along? Yeah. If not, bring in somebody outside that can help train your team. I just did a presentation the other day for a group of K-12 admissions counselors, counseling officers, and it was for one of the organizations, NACAP, that I'm a part of. And it was on AI. They just needed to get up to speed on what AI was. And, And half of the group had never tried out any AI. And it was like, you know, about a 50 people, they were like, this is blowing my mind. I, I can't, I did not know this existed. And I think that part of that is our responsibility as marketers, those of us who are playing in it, those of us who are knowing it, to go deeper, to start teaching others. I had a conversation with somebody the other day and they were like, I talked with somebody who's a marketer who's scared to talk to their VP about how much AI they're using because they think they're going to get more work. And I'm like, okay, that's the wrong way to be thinking about it. I mean, you need to be talking about this as a tool that everybody can use and not worry about the fact that because you're more efficient, they're going to give you more responsibility. This is like shot up from the rooftops. This is change that's coming and we've got to be ready. So this has been such a fascinating conversation, Susan. I really enjoyed it. So one last question before we let you off the hook, Susan. Is there a piece of advice that you would offer to one of our listeners that they could implement right away and move the needle in their organization? Well, I, th- I thought about this, I, you know, I'm, and this right away kind of stuck with me, but let me just say what I'm thinking. And then you tell me if this is a right away move. I think that, you know, your passion and your ability to communicate challenges and provide solutions that answer a need, right? Answering a need is really important without laying fault at someone's feet gives you the opportunity to really be successful in moving forward to meet institutional goals. It's a delivery. How do you deliver what you need to say and be effective? And if you can always remember that the way to get things done is to you know do a compliment sandwich. So a compliment done something well. I have this little issue that we need to resolve. And thank you so much for working with me. And another compliment goes a long way in helping people not stick to their position just because you've not approached them in a way that they're not willing to move. Thank you, Susan. And as someone that has worked with you and has talked to you over the last couple of months, you are authentic. And that is the way that you move throughout your projects that you lead. So thank you very much for giving that tip at the end of our episode with you. That was Susan Susan Kassab. She is an enrollment higher education consultant. Susan, what's the best way someone can reach out and contact you if they would like after listening to our episode? Sure. They can reach me at susan.kasab, K-A-S-S-A-B, at gmail.com. They can find me on LinkedIn or text phone call 610-731-9765. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on your podcast. 
Bart, what are your final words before we get out of here? You know, I really enjoyed this conversation and, and I love so much about this because I think that a lot of times we talk about tactics, we talk about, you know, practical marketing advice, things like that. I want everybody to recognize that we, we talked just as much about practical marketing advice today. Maybe it wasn't digital marketing. Maybe it wasn't about websites. Maybe it wasn't about view books, but it was about, um, what I would probably consider emotional intelligence. The idea of really being wise in the way that you build your relationships and earn and build trust and recognize that that is one of your key strengths that you need to develop. If you're talking about professional development, yeah, some of us are like, I'm going to go to that uh, Canva seminar. I'm going to go to that, you know, Adobe seminar. Also consider just, you know, learning more about emotional intelligence, learning more about those, you know, that compliment sandwich, because I think it's going to be harder as we go forward because change is going to be difficult to manage and it's going to create a lot more stress. And I think that if you can kind of have that, you know, that even keel to be able to come into meetings and to be able to build that trust and have those conversations and earn that respect is going to go a long way. And I really love too just a couple more things, just the idea of educating people along the way. Don't think that as a marketer that you need to put together a big presentation and, and make this huge impactful presentation about AI or about some digital asset thing that we're going to do or something else as it relates to how to improve student recruitment or giving or whatever it might be. I love the fact that she talked about these teachable moments. It doesn't need to be formal. It needs to be just in the context of those relationships. If you're a parent, you have been doing that for years with your kids. People learn a lot more by what they, what, you know, what they're caught, what's caught rather than taught. And if you're demonstrating that in your relationships and you're building those educational moments along the way, it's going to go a long way for not only your success, but the success of your institution. So thanks so much, Susan. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Looking forward to our next one. Also like to offer thanks to our producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studios and to our supporting sponsors, Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency and by Ring Digital, providing direct mail for digital accurately serving ads directly to the handheld and household devices of your prospects on your direct mail lists. On behalf of Bart Kaler and Susan Katsab, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,